0: Particular text that we're going to be searching and uh, seeking God's wisdom in is uh, a text that I, as a child, memorized. And as I grew up, it's interesting to me because the manner that I memorized it was in the very application of what Jesus was teaching not to do. In a repetitive way. As we read the Lord's prayer. It never was intended to be memorized in a religious manner. But it was intended to be relational. Its intent was to be relational in its uh, encouragement for us to pray. I'm going to begin with uh, verse 9. Jesus saying this. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus, we would ask that you would speak to us in regards to your kingdom, in regards to how you would have us advance it for your glory. We truly want to see your will be done here in the coastlands. And so we submit to you, we ask that you would speak that you would pierce heart, mind, and soul this morning. We submit to you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen, amen. In regards to these verses, uh, as I was reading and studying the text in particular, we're going to be looking at uh, Matthew 6.10, where Jesus says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I love that what studying this text for me personally has done is it's had me really look at the entirety of the text, and that is the Sermon on the Mount. And for whatever reason, if you haven't found that your devotional life is in a particular place and you've kind of lost track of where you are, I would highly encourage you to go back and read the Sermon on the Mount. It has done great, wonderful things in my life. And so if that's you and that would apply, um, such a good, good message. Because in a whole, it could be really summarized as it's brought up often a kingdom perspective. As Jesus wonderfully said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things will be added unto you. Is what he says later in, in the, the sermon. But in particular, we're going to look here at verse 10. But before we do that, I, there was a quote that I came across from one of my favorite commentators, Henry Ironside. And he says this in regards to this text. In these verses, we have our Lord's own teaching in regard to prayer. To ignore this as though it were not in keeping with the truth of this present dispensation of grace of God would result in robbing our own souls and some of the most important and precious instruction That we have in all of the word of God. Think of it as a privilege of sitting at the feet of the great intercessor himself. And hearing him tell us how to pray. It is indeed a priceless opportunity. Not to be despised or passed on to disciples of some other age. We need to remind ourselves anew. That in as much as. We are blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. There is nothing in scripture of moral or spiritual character that is not a part of our heritage. What a beautiful picture that he portrays for us. To sit at the feet of the great intercessor Jesus Christ who now sits at the right hand of the throne of God interceding. It would greatly behoove us to be a people who would ask. And I know personally, for my prayer life, Lord, speak into my life in regards to prayer. And as we look at this text, your kingdom come, friends, I got to tell you, to come up with a clear definition of the kingdom of God is, is a difficult task. But luckily we have the word of God that will help us along the way. But first I want to remind you that the terms the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven mean the exact same thing. In ancient times, uh, out of reverence, Jewish circles avoided pronouncing the name of God. So they would often use the term heaven, substituting it for God. But the meaning is the same. And how beautiful is that thought? You see, to look forward to a place would be an heir. But to look forward to a person is rightly said. The person of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. If you're like me, when you come across a passage in in uh, John fourteen where Jesus says, "I go to prepare a place for you immediately you 're like, "Oh sweet what 's it going to look like because we 're so materialistic minded no it 's who it 's who When we review various statements in the Bible about the kingdom of God, we find that the prophets were enamored by the dream of the kingdom and a vision of the world where God's justice and peace would reign here on earth. Isaiah referred to it as a place where swords would be beaten into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks and where there would be no more war. He saw equality for the poor and help for the weak and liberty or freedom for captives. Amos spoke of the kingdom as a place where justice would roll down like waters and righteousness like an overflowing stream. Elsewhere we find an image where the earth would be full of the knowledge of God as the water covers the sea. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God often. In Luke chapter 17, he says, The kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed. Or nor will they say, look, here it is. Or there it is. For in fact, the kingdom of God is among you. Or in some translations, it says, The kingdom of God is in you. Early in Matthew, Jesus repeats, and as he came on the scene with his message It was clear and that is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand or the kingdom of God is near. In Matthew 16, 28, it says, truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the son of man coming in his kingdom. In Matthew 19, Jesus says to his disciples, truly I tell you, It will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easy for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And so with just those few texts, to come up with a definition of the kingdom of God is difficult. It's almost as if Jesus was avoiding a clear-cut definition for us. Yet what seems safe and seems clear is that the prayer for the kingdom of God is a very missional statement. There is a movement. As Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. There was this idea of the advancement of the kingdom of God. William Barclay gives a significant insight when he points to the parallelism in our text today. He reminds us of the Hebrew pattern of poetry in which the second line explains, amplifies, and defines the first line. And we see that pattern throughout the Psalms. And what he's suggesting is that the Lord's Prayer has a perfect definition. That thy kingdom come is defined by the phrase, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, the kingdom of God is a society upon earth where God's will is perfectly done in heaven as it is on earth. The kingdom of God is a body of believers who are seeking God's will, who are looking to submit and be governed by him. You see, we were a people who were lost in our transgressions. And when we found our Savior King, he now becomes the ruler of our life. And we seek to submit to him that his will be done. But how can we know God's will? Well, he's preserved his word so that we can know his will. Amen? Amen. Church, amen? amen? The word of God has been preserved for us. It's the lamp unto our feet the light unto our path. As believers, we seek to subscribe and submit to his word as it speaks to us in our daily devotion. In Matthew 22, Jesus replied to the Pharisees who would ask uh, the summary of the whole of the law. And we know that Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill it. And so what he would say to them is that you must first love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. To seek the will of God is to seek the face of God. Because by doing so, just as Jesus would say later, seek ye first the kingdom of God or the face of God. All other things are added unto us. We find the will of God when we seek the face of God through his word. Because one would say, well, well, how, how how do we love God? Well, Jesus gave us the perfect answer in John 14, and that is, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. If there's any of you in here who have children, you know and you would agree with me that there's nothing more pleasant, nothing more um, just blessed in, than an obedient child. All right? Can I get an amen? I mean, for me, sometimes, I, I don't know, I might abuse the whole situation. You know, you're sitting on the couch and you kick back, you're, you're, you're reclined, and, hey, son, go grab me a, a glass of water. And there's nothing more sweet than a son who goes and gets the glass of water and he brings it to you, right? Am I the only one that does that, that, it, that uses my authority in that way? Okay, maybe I need to spend a little longer on the, the prayer carpets. Thanks be to God that our God is just. He's not that way. But equally as sweet as it is to have a child who is obedient, there's nothing more disturbing than a child that who is disobedient. I was reminded of this time where, you know, as a, as a parent, you know, obviously you want to train your child in the way he should go, and there's just uh, common things that you train them in and you teach them in. And one is my, my fourth child, my son, you know, you teach him the common practice of looking both ways before you cross the street, right? You look left, you look right, and then you look left again, right? We all know that move. teach your child this for what purpose to keep them from danger and i remember one one day in particular i was uh cleaning the rims of my 62 bel-air and (laughs) i can hear across the street our neighbor um he's got a, a child that's close to my son's age his name is dylan and dylan is calling judah to come over judah come over here and I can see from, from my eye that Judah was at our doorstep and he starts to run across the grass. And as a dad, I'm concerned that he doesn't do what I taught him to do. So I kind of stand up and I look to see if he's doing that. And he did it. He darts into the street and I screamed his name because lo and behold, from my left eye, I can see a car coming and it was coming fast. So I screamed his name really loud. And he stops in his tracks. And the, the car, because I screamed so loud, it stopped. <laughs> so I run over there and I grab my son Judah and I lift him up. And there's that sense, that mixed emotions. Like, son, you have to obey. And then as you look at him and there's fear in his eyes, you just grab him tighter and you're like, Oh, son, if that car would have hit you, I would have been undone. And then, as you grow, you you hold him tighter, and then then you're like, oh, you put him down. Like, I grab his head, son, look, you do that. So, like, there's that mixed emotion of, like, oh, I love you, son. I'm so glad you're not hurt. But, son, you have to obey. And here's the thing, friends, when Jesus says, if you love me, you obey my commands, it's it's not in a religious way. It's relational. Think of yourself as, as my son, like in the arms of the father, knowing what is best. He is the author and the perfecter of your faith. He knows what is best for us. And his commands are not burdensome. When they become burdensome, we know we have gone the route of religiosity. It's not about, this message is not about, hey, do, do, do. No, it's, it's, it's about a relationship. To seek the kingdom of God is to seek the face of God. And, and as we crawl in the arms of the fathers, we spend time of intimacy with him, we find that he so often reminds us of how we have built our kingdom and how he seeks for us to submit our will to his so that his will be done. And, and not only has he left us with just the command of, of if you love me, then obey, Listen to the personalness in this, if that's a word, the personalness. Reading on in in John 14, 15, as he says, If you love me, obey my commands. And then he goes on to say this this is what makes it real personal. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you. Now and later will be in you. And as believers, friends, in our personal relationship with Jesus Christ, it was to our advantage that he would go, that the spirit would come and assist us and help us in abiding and obeying of the truths of God. You see, in the hour of temptation, in the hour of difficulties where we are prone to react in our flesh, Christ would have us obey him, but he would give us the third person of the the Trinity to empower and help and convince us of what is right. So important, friends. Early in the, the message of the Beatitude, or excuse me, the as, as Jesus was teaching the Sermon on the Mount, he says this in Matthew 5:19: whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them. He shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. You see the importance of seeking the will of God and seeking to further the kingdom of God. It's important that we become children who are obedient to the word of God. Obedient. Because in doing so, we reflect the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom demands the submission of our will, our hearts, and our life. And in doing so, we allow the kingdom to manifest itself in our lives. We come, so to speak, as it says in Matthew 5.16, Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. But it's not always easy, is it? Oftentimes it's difficult. We submit our wills to God and, and we see how, how potent and powerful it is. But there's times where we're reluctant and we're prone to wander. And, and uh, man, we find ourselves like Paul in Romans 7. Verse 15, it says, I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want. But what I do, the very thing I hate... For I know that nothing good dwells within me, that is, in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. And like Paul, so often we do the very same thing we will and we want to do what is right, but we find that we do the opposite. But Jesus is giving the key to this, and that is to pray. It's a prayer issue and a submitting issue, submitting our wills and praying and seeking the help of God. That we grow in choosing the opposite of our instinct or our flesh. If we really want the kingdom of God to be visible and shine, it becomes a prayer issue. That our hearts would be surrendered. Because in prayer, in, sh- in true relational dialogue with God, we find that our, our wills are exposed. And so we're able to submit them. That's, that's where Paul was at. His will was, was being exposed Thanks be to God that it's, it's not something that we just, okay, we got to get her done. It's not something that we just rules that we want to follow by, but it's bathed in, in this relationship, this dialogue with God where we see that, oh, wow, there, there truly is a desire of my will and selfishness that's creeping up in my life. And so in prayer, you find and you expose and you yield because, friends, if we're honest with each other, we see that in this society, it's not about the kingdom of God at all. It's about the kingdom of self to seek number one. It's all about excess. It's about our safety, our security, our investments, our comfort, our luxury. And God's kingdom challenges these things. We have witnessed the tragic outcome of economy uh, that is just imploding because it was built on greed. It's all about taking, but not just taking, taking in excess. We see that executives take millions in bonuses while driving companies to the ground. Companies that perhaps you invested in. so easy for us to conform rather than to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Because we built our kingdom on comfort. We like our lives the way they are. We don't like change. Most of us have families and friends whom we enjoy and jobs that, that keep us busy and we're fairly happy. We live in this beautiful area. We have a faith that sustains us through rougher moments, and it's so easy to buy into that American dream where when you buy into it, it's almost as if it's so close to heaven because because when we seek comfort in that way, it's like there's no longer a need to pray for provision. There's no longer a need to pray for the kingdom of God. There's no longer a need to pray for... Uh, our bread, our daily bread, because we have excess. If anything, we, 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 we find ourselves eating too much or too little. We become so worried about things that have no meaning at all. We are stressed out and And all worried about stuff where where the Word of God would say, Man, why would you find yourself worried? So worried about tomorrow when today has been given to us, granted to us, this day has been given to us. And yet, so many of us are worried about tomorrow. The kingdom mindset gets our eyes off ourselves, relieves us of the stress and the pain and the agony of all that it brings, and it wonderfully gets it back on to the face of the king. And the word of God does that for us. It leads us. Our mission, friends, is to submit to the will of God, to, to the one who created us. The kingdom of God We find is advanced when the more we submit, the more we allow the word of God to, to transform us. It lets God loose in us and is visible to this world. As we've been called to be ambassadors, we are to properly represent his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And the only way we're able to do that is when we subscribe to the Word of God and submit to it and apply it in our lives. The kingdom of God is a radical new way of life. If we really understood this, man, so much would change in our lives. Jesus taught that the kingdom is like a pearl of great price. Or like a treasure uncovered in a field that was so valuable and so desirable that men were willing to sell everything in order to obtain it. And we too are to be willing to make sacrifices in our life. And I believe that the sacrifice that is needed, and and, and I really believe that this is a word for us, for me included, The sacrifice is time submitted in prayer. Because that's where it comes back to. Jesus was teaching about prayer. This is a prayer issue. And so perhaps God is wanting us as a body to develop our prayer life. And that that prayer life would have a kingdom perspective. I studied this text, I came across this uh, Greek author and he writes this, the kingdom of God according to the word of our Lord and Savior comes not with a observation, observation. Neither shall we say behold here or behold there, but the kingdom of God is within us for the word is very near to us in our mouths and in our hearts. So when one prays, for the coming of the kingdom of God, rightly prays that the kingdom of God might be established in himself, that it might bear fruit and be perfected in himself. Every saint, being ruled by God as king and obedient to the spiritual laws of God, as it were, dwells within the kingdom. As in a well-ordered city, the Father is present to such a one. And Christ reigns with the Father in the soul that is maturing this in accord with the promise that we will come to Him and make our abode with Him. Do you see the relational aspect in that? That in maturing as we mature as Christians, as we grow in grace, we mature in our relationship with him. And by doing so, we further the kingdom of God here on earth. That was the prayer point for my life as I studied this text. And as I went back and I I read it over and over how it challenged my prayer life, how it challenged my selfishness. And by doing so, ultimately, God's kingdom is advanced. In my household, as I seek the kingdom of God and His will to be done as a father, as a husband, as a neighbor, there's a significant change There's that transforming power that God desires to do in us. And friends, we have a wonderful opportunity to do just that, to submit our will to him, to seek his face, both in communion and just coming to the carpets and kneeling at his feet, seeking his face, asking God to reveal where our hearts have wandered, where we have sought the kingdom of comfort, where we have sought our own selfish gain. In a sense, we repeat, we repent, as Jesus said, We repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, what God is wanting to do in our communities, oftentimes are blockade by our own selfish and stupidity. So we don't wallow in it, we just submit. Amen? Amen. Instead of wallowing, "Woe is me, I'm not a good Christian. Don't find yourself in that position. Because next thing you know, you become a religious idiot. Seeking to do rules and seeking to make change and trying to get her done when, when, when Christ would have you be obedient by the power of the Spirit of God. And when we submit in this way, friends, when we see that advancing the kingdom, it's a prayer missional Endeavor. When we pray in that manner, friends, we begin to see our children and our neighbors in a different way. We get the kingdom perspective. I was challenged in my own prayer life to be praying for family members who don't know Jesus. To pray for neighbors who who are lost. To be able to go into Vons and, and to see God's kingdom done. Yeah. Instead of seeking my will, I'm so selfish, right? Because of time, you, you do whatever you can so you can get in line and, and you're, you're just cutting people off and you just got to make that move. And it seems so insignificant, it seems so petty, but yet it's a reflection of my heart. My heart is not other-centered, my heart is about how, how can I get, move, and, and make, and then just like, oh my gosh, this guy's got 15 things. This is 12. You're in the line for 12 things. You have 15 things. <laughs> like, really? Want to worry about that? How about the soul of the guy who's got those 15 items? Friends, by no means have I come to, to put on you a burden. But I've come to release you to have a burden. Does that make sense? To have a burden for the lost. See, that's the burden of Christ. The will of God is salvation. We advance his kingdom. By praying for salvation and modeling it. Living salvation out and praying for salvation. Friends, we advance the kingdom of God together. Amen? And God wants to do that in us. He wants to release us. When I say the burden of Christ, that is one that is light and easy. And yet so often as Christians, we carry the burden of sin or the burden of condemnation, and Christ would have us come and lay that at His feet and take upon Him His yoke, which is easy, which is light, and which is missional. Not in a religious endeavor do we write names and begin to pray, but we do so in a relational way. As the worship team comes, Fred. Friends, let's seek the kingdom of God. Let's seek the face of God. Let's ask him to to expose our hearts, perhaps where we've wandered, where where we've gained um, a greater understanding of self. And in doing so, we become wrapped up and and we become, as often as we do that, we find that it's, it's it's never good always burdensome. It's, it's, it's always uh, fruit that's not right. It brings confusion. When our eyes are on ourself, just this two weeks ago, I met with a young man and God bless him. He was just so confused. And as he was looking at me, he was just like, man, it's just, and it, it just, and my assessment was like, dude, this guy just, he's, he's all wrapped up in and stuff and things and and there was a moment where I just I I just slapped him. I said, "Dude, you miss the simplicity of your salvation." And he just looked at me, and he smiled. He said, oh, "Dude, you're right. So needed that the pastoral laying on of hands." Friends, that's what I'm doing this morning for all of us, myself included. We need the laying on of hands in that way where we've got it wrong, where we've mixed it up, where we've confused. The kingdom of God and simplicity found in the precious prayer of John the Baptist, Lord, that I would decrease, that you might increase. Maybe that's your simple prayer this morning. You come forward. God, We ask that you would have your way with us. We want your will to be done. We want to be a body of believers who are advancing your kingdom of God. As we seek your face, as we seek your kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven, we submit to your holy will. We ask that you would expose the areas where we've confused it or where we've darkened it or where selfishness has come and crowded out. Deal with our hearts this morning. We pray in your precious name. Amen.